and welcome to the Investment Cuddle. I'm Gary, and on the podcast today, we're going to do a review of the good, the bad, and the ugly of 2023. So we're going to cover a look at the markets for 2023. We'll look at the indexes, bonds, because we probably should, and the individual companies and how the market went. And I think then we'll we'll have a look at how our portfolio performed and we'll review our good and our bad and if there's any downright ugly uh, performers in there for 2023. And just have a little look at what 2024 might look like. We'll try and get our crystal ball out and see what might be good in the coming year to uh, have a look at. So how did the indexes perform? Well, at the top of the list, we've got the S&P 500, not because it performed better than anywhere else, but top of the list is S&P 500 at 24%. Then the Dow Jones was at 13.7. So the MSCI World Index, which some of you who invest in international stocks will look at, that was up 14% as well. The FTSE in the UK, came in as a whopping 2.8%. So we'll call that 3% just because we're being generous for 2023. But the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ, a whopping 43%. So that's technology heavy, as we know. So not really a major surprise, you could argue. The performance across sectors in 2023, we look at the American market, technology did well. Communication services. So, you know, you're looking at companies like NVIDIA, Meta in the communication space, or Facebook and those guys, travel services, asset management, and then some of the industrial subsectors. So, there you've got maybe the cruise lines, can we say, in terms of travel services. And I think Blackstone did really well um, within asset management. And then you've got GE. So what is GE not into, but quite a lot of different things, certainly aerospace, as we know, and energy, they were up really well in 2023. So then if we look at what didn't do quite so well in terms of sectors, we've got utilities, we've got consumers defensive, vaccine makers didn't do so well, so medical side, oil and gas exploration. And agricultural side didn't do quite so well either. So that's a little bit different to where we were in 2022. Energy was doing great. It's had, with the oil price reduction, quite a tough period. And energy costs, thankfully for many, have come down a little bit. So also that probably as a sector wasn't a great place to be last year. So those are your sectors. And if you look at the companies to be in last year, as we said, you look at those sectors of that did well, information technology, communication services, consumer discretionary. There were no prizes for knowing who did well because what's been classed as the Magnificent Seven, you've got NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Tesla, and Meta. They drove a large 
portion of the market. So if you weren't in those guys last year, you're probably uh, not sitting on as as much of a return as you might have been. So, for example, you look at the 2023 return for NVIDIA. That was the standout. Three digits, 240% return for NVIDIA last year. Apple, a meager 50%. <laughs> you know, Microsoft was in there again with 50% plus. Alphabet as well. Amazon up 80% last year. Tesla, 100% return. And Meta, 190% return. So this is, you know, the huge returns over a very small number of stocks. And I think that's a a real challenge if you are trying to have a buy and hold portfolio. If you weren't in those particular sectors, 2023 will look pretty much different. And as we said, the losers for utilities, energy, consumer defensive, that was a that was a challenge. Let's park the Magnificent Seven for now. But if you look at the indexes, you were pretty much up on the year if you were in you know, the American market, the world market, or you know, a little bit in the UK market. So that's a positive, albeit they were all down in 2022. So are you really just recovering the losses that you made there? Pretty much, you know, the S&P 500, for example, did get past its 2022 losses. So you would have came out with a small profit over the last two years. And whilst it's important to look at the year and see how things have gone, just the year to date performance is not our preferred option because every time we tick over from December to January, we're resetting a clock, which actually then says, well, no, actually, we're not resetting the clock or performance. It matters what happened last year, but it also matters what happened the year before. And over that five and 10 year period, are you seeing a steady uptick in your stock picks or your long term investments and the returns overall and the growth of those companies? Because that's where the key to this is. But it's always good to look at look at the year, I think, just put in uh, in some context. So interesting year from a perspective of the market was up. There's an awful lot of companies that didn't perform particularly well last year, but we've covered those that did, and that drove the market. Hence why you look at the the UK, did the FTSE provide a double-digit return? No. Was it in the – has it got heavy tech tech sector element? No. So, you know, it was really the US where that – let's call it stellar performance across those individual businesses happened. And if you've got part of those in the index, that's driven the index in its majority. So it's dragged all those other companies kicking and screaming to provide a return, which ultimately it is about the return, not about whether you had all of those companies, some of those companies, if it's driven a return for you, then you're up on the year, which is positive in many ways. So how did we fare in 2023? Well, we weren't in the same ballpark as the Magnificent Seven. In fact, we were kind of not even beating the FTSE. 
And you might throw your hands up in horror here and say, what a terrible performance for the portfolio. And yes, that is one perspective. But the portfolio was up in 2022 and it was flat in 2023. Or as I think I quoted one of the investment managers in 2022 when they were talking about their performance, well, they were modestly down. So we're going to say, well, we were modestly up and it's pretty much in the noise. So we'll call it flat. So how on earth in a year where individual stocks are up hundreds of percent, did we completely drop the ball on that one and end up with a flat performance? Well, as we said, when we look at the sectors, and if you've listened to 2022's performance or anything that we've talked about in terms of the, the, the year in 2023 and the sectors that we have been looking at, whether it's mining, energy, utilities, a lot of these, and certainly bonds, which I still don't really want to talk about too much, all of that was challenging last year. Bonds a little bit better because 2022 was horrible for bonds. 23 wasn't quite so bad because actually in 2023, we got back to having yield, a decent yield on some bonds for years and years of having no significant payback on these. You could have taken relatively risk-free investment choices last year, buying bonds at 4 and 5% return which if that's your average for the market over the long term why wouldn't you it's not quite it's not quite cash because cash doesn't pay anything and you could argue there's a risk free rate there because it's cash but you're still losing money against the inflation that's around us and remains around us even though a lot of the markets a lot of the commentary's been oh you know certainly in the UK inflation's halved yeah, but it was big to start with, so it's still running at a relatively high rate, even though it's half. So it's less scary than it was before. And I think in the US, we've just started to see that inflation number tick in the wrong direction again, having come down. But we'll talk a little bit more about 2024 as we go through this. So our portfolio, we will do this like we did 2022s, which is essentially like a football league table so we won't talk about the champions and until the end we'll talk about the relegation fodder first so our relegation three were actually you know nothing to write home about and was uh just yeah it's been interesting to go through this i think to get some perspective on the portfolio so in third place in our bottom three, so still in the relegation zone, but but not the bottom of the league, was Murray International. That's an investment trust. And as you know, on this show, we quite like investment trusts. Murray International was down five, nearly 6% on the year. And whilst still paying a dividend, we actually like to see a little bit of growth occasionally. In the year, but it had done well in 2022. It was down in 23. I think just generally, you look at that and go, you know, internationally, what is going on? 
unless you were in the Magnificent Seven, you weren't going to perform particularly well. I feel like I'm making excuses for Murray International here. That's not the case at all. Um, but let's just have a little look at Murray. You know, it pays a four and a half percent dividend as we are today on a six percent discount because you don't forget you get with you get a discount or a premium with investment trusts. It's a one and a half billion pound trust. A little bit of leverage on on that investment trust at seven percent, but they are investing in technology, but obviously not the technology that grew like it did in twenty twenty three. Financial services, consumer defensive. We already said that was a challenge in twenty twenty three. Bit of healthcare and industrials make up the top five. Energy's in there as well with communication services, basic materials and things. So there were some bits and pieces in there that are challenging. And when you look at the holdings, they've got Broadcom Inc. at number one and an aerospace company at number two, uh, semiconductors at number three, Taiwan semiconductors at number four, and AbbVie, uh, the medical guys, at number five. So as we say, challenging year, down a little bit on the year overall. Do we still like Murray International? Less than we did, but yes, we do within the portfolio. It's a good balance of international stocks, but we'd prefer that 2024 was a little better for Murray International. So below Murray in the bottom three, we have Hint. So that's Henderson International. Bit of a theme here for these guys. So Henderson fits similar to Murray International in some respects. Pays a 4.6% dividend, so the dividend return on that is fairly similar. Discount's currently 10%. Smaller trust, an investment trust, it's 300 million is the market capitalization. And so they cover in terms of sectors, healthcare, financial services, bit of technology, consumer defensive, and industrial, so really kind of similar sectors to Murray International, but that was down 10% on the year, which starts to get everybody a little bit twitchy when it's double-digit losses for the year. But again, you look at that and go, well, hang on, a third of the trusts holding are in the US. The US did great last year. Mm, not in these particular stocks. So therein lies the challenge. When you look at these and go, well, I'm international, I'm holding stuff in the US, mm, not holding those seven. They're certainly not in the top five. You, you were not going to outperform necessarily in 2023. So Henderson International Income Trust was there at number two, which is hint. And then at the bottom of the pile, the very bottom in the portfolio, and we are talking bottom here, is Berry, BlackRock Energy resources and isn't it ironic that in 2022 these guys outperformed they were down 16 percent in 2023 and if memory serves they were up more than that in 2022 so as the uh, as the saying goes he giveth and he taketh away so barry currently paying about a four percent dividend on a discount of almost 11 percent at the moment Again, it's an investment trust, £175 million worth of assets, a little bit of gearing on that. And these guys are 
very heavy in basic materials, energy, utilities, so, and a little bit of technology. But essentially, you're looking at, you know, 70% of their holdings are in things that did not have a particularly great 2023. So top top five here, ExxonMobil, Glencore, BHP Group, Tech Resources Limited, and Shell PLC. So that rounds out the top five. It wasn't a great year for Berry. But for those of you that want to buy it and want a slightly higher yield, now might be the time if the uh, energy prices are to recover. So that was a pretty ugly looking bottom three. And I'm not entirely convinced that the top three will be very much better. But we will have a look anyway. So looking at the looking at the three that we've got here. So looking at our third placed stock in our top three was Henderson Diversified Income Trust. So this was for those, well, for those, for those that aren't familiar with that, it was, and I'll say why I'm saying it in the past tense, a investment trust that held bonds and paid five, six percent dividend, didn't tend to grow its dividend very much, but I think was a nice way of holding bonds. There are probably better ways of doing it. But it was a nice fund to hold bonds in. Um, and for various reasons, that has now merged with Henderson High Income Trust. So the ticker on that is a HHI. So we'll look to see how that does. Henderson Diversified Income was down 1.1% on the year. So, you know, still a European place if you like your football, but still down on the year, which means it was still struggling but again if you've got a bunch of bonds that you've been holding for a while and all the interest rates have gone up and those bonds haven't come to maturity yet so you can't issue new ones you can see how these bond funds were going to struggle over this period and it will be interesting to see how hhi henderson high income trust works relative to that Currently, at the moment, it's paying about six and a half percent dividend. The market cap is about two hundred million, on a bit of a discount at six percent. As we said, a bit of gearing, and there's not too much more information on that at the moment while this change goes through. But it will be interesting to look at this relative to other trusts and other funds because. There's quite a lot of talk at the moment about investment trusts merging and consolidation within that space. I don't think that's such a bad thing if the fees come down and the performance performances remain good and there is the opportunity to grow the income coming from those. So that's HDIV, Henderson Diversified Income, slash the new HHI, Henderson High Income Trust was in position number three in our top three. So in second place in our top three, we have, surprise, surprise, another investment trust, BlackRock Frontiers Investment Trust. And the particular on that is BR, 
BRFI. There's BRFI. So not sure we've talked about BlackRock Frontiers very much on the podcast previously. It's an international fund. An investment trust pays just over a 4% dividend. On a little bit of a discount at the moment, 8%. So it's $300 million just about in assets with no gearing to speak of. So you look at this and go, well, it's in terms of international, it covers Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Philippines, Kazakhstan, Thailand, Vietnam, a bit of the UK, Chile, and Poland. Financial services are covered. Basic materials, energy, industrials, consumer defensive is the top five. So I won't go through the individual companies. You can look that up for yourselves because I probably pronounce them all incorrectly. But BRFI was up 15%. Yes, a positive number. <laughs> I've not made a mistake on that. For 2023, we actually had some some uh, holdings that were positive for the year. But that is an interesting fund because it has underperformed in, in the past. Certainly it's benchmark and hasn't been the best holding. But it's well worth a look at if you are looking to try and diversify away from the US or whatever jurisdiction you are in. So that was at number two. And we should really have a fanfare on the podcast for this one, shouldn't we? Top of the tree, the best performing stock for 2023 in the portfolio was Japanese. So the ticker on this is CCJI. So CC Japan Income and Growth Trust. So this was essentially up almost 16% on the year. So just ahead of BRFI pays pretty much a 3% dividend. It's it's up at all-time highs as we speak now, so just slightly below 3%, but typically 3% is the kind of dividend you'd be looking at with that. So a slight discount at 3%. So £300 million market capitalization on that with uh, almost 20% gearing. So there's a little bit of gearing on this one, but not too much. For an investment trust, you could argue, it's 100% Japan. So the jurisdictions are fairly binary on that one, but they're in the industrial sector, financial services, communication services, consumer cyclicals, and basic materials round out the top five. And again, if you want to look at the companies, I would encourage you to have a look at their top 10 holdings. But this fund, along with Japan generally, performed well and you know we uh we can always say that if the market's flat there's always something going down and something going up so if you if you were playing japan and the uh the pretty much uptrend in japanese stocks in 2023 you'll have done very nicely so again not a stellar performance from the portfolio in 2023. So what do we expect for 2024? I keep saying I'll get our crystal ball out, but it's really difficult to know. I think the couple of things that are on my mind to watch in 2024 are the inflation rates. 
So wherever you are in terms of jurisdiction, have a look at core inflation, have a look at the, the, the CPI, RPI inflations that are coming out. If we continue to see increases in inflation, I do not believe the rates will come down at the rate that certainly the Federal Reserve are perhaps pointing towards. So I think that will make a big difference. I think if reducing rates comes into certainly the central bank's policies, then almost all sectors should do well in 2024 because you know a rising tide raises all boats if the inflation remains persistent and therefore rates don't come down anywhere near as fast i think that will hamper anybody borrowing money and the companies that have got high debt which we would say avoid anyway will continue to struggle unless they are able to grow their underlying businesses. So I think it's going to be a challenging year. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking this time next year and the portfolio we've just been through is similar in terms of performances at the top and at the bottom. And I wonder if overall we'll see a significant increase in the portfolio overall or whether we'll be fairly modestly up in 2024. I take that sitting here right now because I do not know what's going to happen. And if I did, I probably wouldn't want to know. (laughs) But I think if there's the opportunity to look at the risk-free rates around bonds, as we've said, the rates are higher now than they could be later in the year. So that's another one that I would be looking at to make a decision on whether or not we've had peak rates. If we've had peak rates, do we get in early? before the rates come down and that's difficult to know but i think i'll put the information in the show notes in terms of our portfolio best and worst performing good luck out there in 2024 i think it's going to be fun and remain that way through the year if you've got time to rate and review the podcast that would be great and we'll see you next time program has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the program is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the program's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities, nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.